Well, good morning, friends. Meet me in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is halfway or right in the middle of your Bibles. And we just heard some of the verses of the text that we're going to be looking at today. I want to pick up at the end of verse 7 where it says this. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. Pray to the Lord for the city that you are in, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile." The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this ancient, complex, fascinating book called the Bible through which you continue to speak to us in very fresh ways to our day, our moment, where we are right here and right now. So Father, we ask as we begin a conversation about our vision as a church for the coming year that you would challenge us and encourage us with where you're taking us. Help us to be here now. Remove any distractions from us so that we can be present to your spirit speaking and moving in us. Would we be attentive to that, responsive to your voice? We pray all of this this morning in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Well, welcome to our conversation about our vision for the upcoming year. Despite the enormity of the challenges that we are facing both individually and collectively, I am really excited about what this year holds for us and where things are headed for us here at Discovery. So let's get into it. I want to begin with a sort of declaration. For a while now, discovery has been in a season of transition. Pastoral transition, cultural transition, even a digital transition, right, during this pandemic. And while that part of it is still very much here and we're moving through it together, I, I want to say that we are no longer in that cultural transition phase. We are a church that is building now, this is not to say that we've got everything figured out, that, that we've arrived at some destination necessarily. I think it's quite the opposite, but it is important to name this reality, this shift from a transitioning church to a building church. Think of it this way. When someone does a renovation project on their home, one of the first things you do is sort of figure out how can we reconfigure this, right? Do we need to tear something out? Do we need to change the flow, move a wall? Whatever those things are, you go through this process of figuring out what needs to go, and then you create a plan, and then you start implementing those 
changes. In a similar way, we've gone through this process of change, set a cultural foundation, and it's time to start putting it together. It's time to start building. And this is the big theme for us this year, I believe. Building something new. Now, before we get into that and talk more about what we are building, before we get to this text in Jeremiah, let's talk for a minute about pain and anger. <laughs> now, at the risk of being simplistic, there are two fundamental pains that we feel in our broken, sinful world. First, there is the pain of not getting what you want. This can be as innocuous and innocent as being turned down by a middle school crush or as devastating and evil as systematic oppression and discrimination. Not getting what you want is an agony. The Proverbs say, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But second, there's also the pain of getting what you want, only to discover that there's still a lack. This is the pain that Adam and Eve experienced in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. This is the pain that the teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes names as they list off all of their great accomplishments only to declare, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. There's the pain of not getting what you want, and there's the pain of getting what you want. Are you with me? Now, a significant warning sign that we are experiencing these pains is the emotion of anger. I think anger is maybe the defining characteristic of our age. We live in an incredibly angry time because so many of us are very much in touch with one or both of these types of pain. Now, I think it's just part of being human, right? We will all experience both of these pains, and both of these pains are very much present in our community here in Davis. But I think we do have a lot of people who are probably struggling with that second category of pain. People who have done all the things, right? All the right things, achieved success, uh, done the research, got in the degree, but then when you get what you want and you still can't make sense of life, you still feel dissatisfied, disconnected, you still have questions and this ache of meaninglessness, there's an anger and there's a despair and a frustration and a depression and that list can go on. Our pain and our anger are signals that the stories and scripts we've been given don't work. We see this uh, almost everywhere we look, right? The recognition, the sort of dawning realization, oh, politics are not going to save us. My career isn't going to save me. Technology isn't going to save us. Our kids and our hopes and aspirations for our kids aren't going to save us. Our hobbies are not going to save us. All these stories are lacking and we're ticked about it. And then here's the kicker. The church. The church isn't helping 
But most people aren't even looking here for answers to these deep questions of meaning and being. And there are many people who are leaving because the answers that they are getting seem very disconnected from the realities that we experience. Now, our mission here at Discovery is to help people discover the good news of Jesus. We believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is the best news possible for humanity, whether that's an Israelite living in first century Palestine, an 11th century European peasant, a 20th century African farmer, or a 21st century angry American. Jesus is good news for everyone. But the heartbeat of our church the heartbeat of our church is to help those for whom the old scripts are not working. Now that might be someone with no church background at all who feels like, oh, there's got to be more than what I've been handed. There's got to be more than this career, this degree, these things that I've been pursuing. But it might also be someone who's been in church for 30 years and is wondering, is this all there is? I show up at a church service on Sunday morning, do a bit of Bible study. Is that the adventure that Jesus calls us to? This is why that phrase, church for the rest of us, is so central to our identity as a community here at Discovery. Church for the rest of us. We're not just competing for a share of the religious market, we are on an all-out mission to help those for whom the church has failed, those who don't believe the church is a viable option. Now, this is not an easy mission, right? It's much easier to run the old playbook, try to collect some Christians and call it good, but that is not who we are called to be. We are not just building a different kind of church for the sake of being different. We are building a new kind of church to be good news in this place at this time. Now this brings us back to that text in Jeremiah chapter 29. Parts of this text are, are, are quite famous and popular. They're verses that we like to put up in picture frames and Hallmark cards, but this scene that's being described here is not a pretty moment in the story of God's people. They've lost everything. Their city, their home city, Jerusalem, is in ruins. Their temple has been destroyed. They have been captured and carted off to Babylon. Their entire way of life ripped out from under them, and now they are in exile. This is a moment of intense communal pain. Both kinds of, of pain that we named earlier. They got what they wanted, a king and a kingdom, and we saw the origins of that earlier or last year uh, as we studied 1 Samuel together. They got what they wanted, but then they had it taken away. For a people whose identity was wrapped up in a promised land and in a special relationship with God, this was the worst thing that could have happened. The worst possible thing that could have happened. And in the midst of this, they get a letter from this guy named Jeremiah. Jeremiah, who, by the way, was one of the, the least popular Old Testament prophets. His approval ratings were very low. Unpopular Jeremiah sends them 
a letter that contains what for them would have been a very unpopular vision. I want to just point out, draw out four aspects of this vision and, and ho hopefully help us see some ways that it connects to our vision. One of the first things that Jeremiah tells them, he tells them to settle down. Get comfortable in exile. I think this is the invitation, not just for discovery, but for the, the church as a whole right now. Get comfortable in exile. Get comfortable in these places that are very uncomfortable. God says through Jeremiah, make your home here in the worst thing that you could imagine. Build homes, plant gardens, have kids, settle down. You're going to be here for a while. Second, they're told to ignore the voices of false prophets. False prophets who will come peddling easy answers. Living in exile is hard. It's uncomfortable. And it's tempting in hard times, in those moments of tension and uncomfortability, to fall for slogans and shortcuts and these sort of silver bullet solutions of the false prophet. Those who would say, hey, let's go back to Israel and make it great again. God says, no, nope, you're going to be here for a while. Don't get caught up in that. By the way, the exile, it, 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 we're told here, the exile is going to be for at least 70 years, meaning a lot of people who are hearing this letter read to them are not going to live long enough to make it back to Jerusalem. In the midst of this, though, they are encouraged to seek the shalom of the city. Some translations say it this way, promote the peace and welfare of the city. Pray for this place that you are settling into because your welfare is tied up in its welfare. And then the, the last thing I want to point out here is this. God says, you are not on your own. I will meet you in exile. Three times God says, I sent you there. Like, I'm the reason you're there. But it's in this exile that I will also show up for you. God says that he will be gracious to them, tells them he has good plans for them, reminds them that he will listen to them when they come to him in prayer, and that they will find him when they search for him. I will be present for you, God says, and I will end your captivity. I will be present for you. Now, what does this have to do with us? This letter... This unpopular vision sent to a group of exiles in Babylon 3,000 years ago. What does this have to do with us and our vision? Well, I think the key word in Jeremiah chapter 29 for us is this word presence. Again, God says to his people that as you are present in the place I have taken you to exile, I will be present there for you. We are not just building a church, an organization, or a program. We are building a community that offers presence. Our presence, of course, but also space to encounter the presence of God. I think this is part of the need and the anger of our moment, is that at a gut level, we all sense that we need the presence of God, but we are so cut off from it, right? We've squeezed the transcendence so far out of our 
world. This desire to experience transcendence, though, is inherent in each one of us. But the good news is this. God created the world to be his home and us to be his family, and we are invited into that presence, into his presence, and we're invited to extend that presence to others. I will be with you, God says. Now, there are, I think, for us some challenges within the challenge. This challenge to be a presence for others, what does that mean for us? Well, I think there's some things that we need to consider in order to do this, to be the kind of community that is a healing, life-giving presence that seeks the shalom and the welfare of the city. So I want to talk about some individual challenges and then some collective challenges. First, individual challenges. I think there's a challenge here to us to put down roots. Now, for some of us, this might mean putting down roots at Discovery, saying, yes, this is going to be my church home. Let's get after this mission together. Putting down roots at Discovery, it might involve a new level of engagement, seeking the shalom of this this city, this community together through serving, through tithing, through contributing your gifts to this mission. How can you be involved in this with us? And just a quick side note on our app, the, the very uh, main homepage there, if you click on serving, that will take you to a card where you can begin uh, discovering more opportunities for you to get involved. For some of us, this might mean putting down roots in Davis. We live in a highly transient town, and that's just part of the deal of being in a university town. But one of the most countercultural things that you can do here, really that you can do anywhere, is to embrace the place that you are in, to make it home, even if it's only for a couple of years. And then I think even more radical than that is to stay, is to settle down put down some roots, plant some gardens. In order to seek the shalom of Davis and Yolo County, some of us are going to have to commit to being here for the long haul. I know a number of people here at Discovery who have bought houses this last year. We're in the process of, of buying one right now. It's one of the most terrifying things I've ever done in my entire life. And yet it's also excited. This is the first time we've been through this process. It's also exciting to think about putting down those kinds of roots here, to be a part of this community in a whole different way. Now, that's not the only way to do this, of course. Hypermobility is just part of, part of the deal here, but it's also, I wanna say, not just a Davis thing. It's definitely a larger cultural phenomenon, and a lot of us, myself, my family, very much included, we have moved around a lot. And yeah, it's part of the reality of the 21st century, but it also, I think, is a revelation of a deeper restlessness that undercuts our ability to be a presence. Do you need to put down roots at Discovery? Do you need to put down roots in Davis? Now, the collective challenge. Our dream, again, is to see the good news of Jesus spreading and multiplying throughout the city. This is visually represented in our new logo, which if you haven't taken time to look at it, it's a bike gear, but it also has this cross image inside 
of the gear. It's a visual of the good news of Jesus embedded in the culture of Davis. A presence in this place seeking the shalom and the welfare of the city. Now, we have a very strong theology of the church as a people. Not a place you go, not an event you attend, a people you belong to, a home, a family, this presence that we've been talking about. But that being said, we are in an interesting position right now to rethink our physical presence within the landscape of Davis. We've been meeting on Sunday mornings at the Brunel Theater for many years. They're very welcoming of our return. This downtown space has been good to us for a long time, but we only have uh, less than a year left on the lease here in the downtown center and no formal agreement with the theater. And so there's this unique moment that we are in to pray and to dream about a new physical location. Now, I want to be very clear about one thing. We're, we're not dreaming for a new physical location out of some desire to attract people to a worship service. No, our dream is to be more visibly present in our community in order to seek the shalom of Davis in creative ways. Obviously, we hold this loosely in this moment because who knows what tomorrow may bring. But here are some of the things. I just want to share with you some of the things that we are dreaming and praying about when it comes to a potential new physical location. Our dream is for a downtown space where we can certainly gather on Sundays because we do value the gathering. Getting together for worship and to take communion together to build relationships, to train for this mission, to have a home base from which we go out into the community with the good news of Jesus. But we'd also love to use that sort of space for all kinds of other things. We'd love to share it with other ministries and nonprofits. We'd love to use it as a co-working space. We're in a moment where people are reimagining what work looks for, like for them. They may not need a 24-7 office space, but they could use somewhere to work outside of their home maybe once or twice a week, and we could be that place. We love to use this sort of space to meet local needs, whether that's feeding and sheltering the homeless, whether that's hosting an after-school program or running an ESL class, all kinds of things we could do from a space like that. We have entrepreneurial dreams as well. What if we shared that space with a cafe or a restaurant or a bar? What if that space became a great downtown music venue? I want to invite you to dream with us. Pray with us. What could we do? How could God use that kind of space to help seek the shalom, the welfare of the city, to share the good news of Jesus? Now, each week as we move through this conversation, we've got two more parts of this coming up. I want to end by just sharing a, a brief story, stories that help us see what it is we're trying to build. One of my favorite experiences of the last year was our group that we called the Questions Group. And as we wrapped up that experience in November, one of the participants asked, hey, can we keep doing this for two years? We've got a lot of questions left. But another said, thank you for doing this. 
Thank you for doing this. I have never had this kind of conversation in church before. Didn't know we could talk about these things in church. As we think about the challenges of our time, the pain people experience, the anger that results from that pain, as we seek the shalom of this place together, I believe we are going to hear statements like that more and more often. I didn't know a church could do that. I didn't know we could ask that question, talk about that thing, try that out in church. We cannot, friends, settle for simply doing the same things that we've always done or that other churches are doing. Our time calls for new ways to offer presence and seek shalom. Are you with me? Our calling is not just to be different, but to be good news. And so the invitation is, my invitation to you is this. Dream with us. Dream with us. Pray with us. Contend with us for the renewal, the spiritual, physical, emotional renewal of this community. To ask the questions, where does God want you to put down roots? Where does God want us to put down roots? What could he do? What could he do with our presence in this place? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this promise that you are with us. Even in desperate situations, worst case scenarios, uncomfortable places, even in exile, you say, I will be present with you. Father, may we seek after you, desiring your presence to be with us and to go before us. And as we seek you together, may we be a presence for people who need good news in this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here at the communion table, We celebrate the truth that God is present with us. That he was so uh, desirous of being with us that he sent his son Jesus to live among us, walk among us, to teach and lead, to sacrifice, to give his life, to die for us, and to overcome our separateness our broken relationship through his death and resurrection. This is the good news that we celebrate at the communion table. As we close our time together, again, want to invite you to dream with us about how God wants to use our presence here in this community. But as we dream about this, let's dream from this place of being with God, of reveling in his presence with us because of what he has done for us on our behalf through his son, Jesus. When you're ready, take and eat the body and blood of Christ. Well, thanks again for joining the digital gathering this morning. I want to invite you to come back next Sunday as we continue this conversation 
about our vision for the upcoming year. Let's go out with these words again from Jeremiah. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Grace and peace, friends.